Learn more about the albums you love with Dissect, a music analysis podcast hosted by me, Cole Kushner, a lifelong musician and composer. Each season of Dissect dives deep into a single album, forensically dissecting the music, lyrics, and meaning of one song per episode. Our newest season is covering Tyler the Creator's Igor, a beautifully honest album in which Tyler explores love, communication, masculinity, and truth. Listen to Dissect today only on Spotify, because great art deserves more than a swipe. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. How's it going, Amanda? I'm well, Juliet. How are you? I'm doing great. I have a personal confession to make to you before we get started on all of our stuff. We're going to talk more about the salad dressing. We're going to talk about James Corden. We're going to talk about Matthew Perry. We're going to talk about F1. You're going to talk about F1. There's a lot. Sure. But I need to say to you in front of all of our listeners that... I am a little bit in the Halloween spirit now. Not wow. for myself. Not for myself. <laughs> I will not be dressing in a Halloween costume, but I am going to an event that is Halloween themed. What is it? I, I, I'm going to Descanso Gardens. Oh, cool. Okay. To, to, they have an event called Carved, which I don't know anything about, but I think it involves a lot of po- carved pumpkins and lights. And I, I'm taking my child to it. And then I, I did purchase a Halloween costume for him. And I think I may even like put him in the stroller and then walk him around on Halloween. I mean, and I found that myself seems legit. Being, I found myself being a little excited about it. And then it felt a little bit like a betrayal of you and I our su- staunch no Halloween policy. I support you. I feel like for your son, you got to give him the opportunity to make that decision himself. I understand. You know, it's great. And like, but I feel like you have to give them the opportunity to opt out. I feel like the default is to opt okay. in for most normal people. So I get it. Yeah, he doesn't have that option right now, but maybe <laughs> one day. I also just thought of a really good food news question that I'm going to call in a voicemail okay. that I'm really for you and Jacoby. Do you want me to preview it now? No, or do you want definitely me to just not. Call just in? call the number. Okay. It's, a, it's about candy ethics. It's too bad I don't ever remember the number off the top of my head. Otherwise, I would say it right now. In case you also want to listen to food news. Oh, I got it. 
646-783-9138. Call in with your personal food news. I'm going to do it as soon as we're done recording. I'm really excited. (laughs) Let's talk about celebrities. Where do you want to start? I mean, straight to James Gordon? Yeah, we should do the celebrity news follow-ups because you guys did a great job. The Keith McNally, James Corden kerfuffle broke like while we were recording last week. It's huge. By huge, huge. I mean, we are very close followers. I, sorry, let me say that again. We are very close watchers of Keith McNally's Instagram. Yes. And I just, you know, also like personally have a lot of a tumultuous relationship with James Corden. And... (laughs) (laughs) There's just a lot on this bone. And then it's just an incredible feud. Keith McNally is questionable moral fiber, that's for sure. But he feuds like no other. And this is a this is a a big one. It's exciting, honestly. So I did listen to the Food News episode, which I loved. But one thing I wanted to drill down on before before we move on is in the original. Instagram post, Keith McNally recounts a couple incidences of bad behavior by James Corden on um, at Balthazar. And one of them is being mad about an egg yolk omelet. Yes. And but I there wanted was to t- talk egg, to you more about the egg yolk omelet. There was remnant of egg white in the egg yolk omelet. Right. Well, I've, I'd like to talk about the egg yolk omelet first. Okay. You know, as a person who enjoys omelets and as a person who doesn't enjoy egg white omelets. And there is actually a very famous Nora Ephron piece about what's the point of an egg white omelet. And we'll come back to Nora Ephron later. It all comes back to Nora Ephron. But the egg yolk omelet, what are we we doing? What would the point of that be? Also, how, how can you tell if there's egg white in your egg yolk omelet? Most omelets have both egg white and egg yolk. So I guess it just like wasn't like properly whisked beforehand like I was I guess so yeah I guess I just like saw a little hint of white I mean I like an egg yolk omelet I think I don't know it sounds really rich but uh, it sounds good (laughs) are we regularly being served egg yolk omelets and just don't know it I I don't make omelets at home so is that like the French style that you get rid of the whites I don't I have no idea I don't think so pretty wasteful I could have done research on this but I didn't (laughs) I just wanted to note that that is a pretty strange order before you get into yelling at someone because there's part of an egg white in it. Right. So anyway. So basically he bans James Corden from Balthazar, which mm-hmm. is, by the way, in case you don't know, a restaurant in Soho of New York, which is like pretty lovely. Keith McNally regularly posts updates from Balthazar. He has a few other restaurants as well, like Mineta Tavern and Mirandi, but Balthazar is the real emphasis on his Instagram where he gets, like, reports of, like, how things went and, like, feedback from his staff and from the customers, et cetera. I would say it's the flagship Keith McNally restaurant at this point. Yes, at this point. Agreed. And so (laughs) he bans James Corden, says he's not allowed back for the way that he treated the staff, which, like, you know, I like this man stands behind his staff and... I, as a boss, I just like I think that's like a good a good thing to do. This whole thing is odd and delivered with this classic Keith McNally tone. If you're just like, what's going on here? And then James Corden apparently called Keith McNally to apologize profusely. So the ban was pretty quickly lifted. And, and then, and then the next day, James Corden had an interview on the books already 
with the New York Times, not related to this. He's promoting something else. He's promoting this show called Mammals, which is on Amazon Prime Video, which sounds like the kind of thing I would watch in the middle of the night. And he basically took it back. He just was like, you know, he defended his response. And then Keith McNally once again hit out against him. So... He's back to being on the shit list of Keith McNally. Right. So our colleague, Matt Bellamy, in his newsletter pointed out, one of the real errors here is agreeing to do the New York Times interview after this incident. And it's on James Corden's publicist to a degree to be like, hey, maybe we won't promote this Amazon show that no one has, you know, heard about. Or if we do... Perhaps we could rehearse a response, you know, which is like a thing that you and I keep coming back to. It's just like, you know, you're going to be asked about stuff. You just need to have two sentences. Also, if you are going to go ahead with the interview, maybe do not go to the mark to have breakfast (laughs) on the record in front of the New York Times so that other people are eating eggs in your vicinity, thus introducing the topic of eggs at a restaurant onto the record. It's just, we can do better as press managers, you know? And I'm not even a press manager, but I just, there were some strategic (laughs) issues here. Also, just from David Ixkoff's piece in the New York Times, (laughs) this is a really important paragraph. On Thursday morning, after a long interview in which Corden variously said that the debate about him was not worth acknowledging and that he was likely to address it in Monday's broadcast of The Late Late Show, that's today, we'll have to come back to that in the future, he defiantly declared that he did not want credit for going ahead with what could have been and often was an awkward conversation. I haven't done anything wrong on any level, he said. So why would I ever cancel this? I was there. I get it. I feel so zen about the whole thing because I think it's so silly. I just think it's beneath all of us. It's beneath you. It's certainly beneath your publication. So he belittled Keith McNally's kerfuffle and then once again felt the wrath of Keith McNally. And Mm -hmm. Keith McNally continues on. His most recent post is about how he received too much attention on an airplane from a flight attendant. And it turned out it's because a flight attendant wanted, and this was just in the past few days, the flight attendant wanted to tell him that James Corden behaved really badly on a flight. Okay. So my thing about this, Amanda, I think Keith McNally picks his battles very particularly. He makes it seem on his Instagram like he's sort of like a reckless guy just like looking to have a voice, but... He's definitely privy to a lot more than he makes it seem like on his Instagram, or at least he was. I think he knew that a lot of people hate James Corden, and so he felt like there was a lot of safety in going ahead with this. And it turns out there are a lot of people who hate James Corden. Yes. As you pointed out on Food News, as others have pointed out, this sort of opened the floodgates of people sharing unverified and unflattering stories about James Corden on social media, including the now famous James Corden didn't take care of his baby on a flight story. (laughs) Which we have absolutely no way of verifying this story, but I do want to say that whoever shared it, just really the pacing of the anecdote on Twitter was A+. You know, there was a setup and a reveal, a great kicker. It was memorable. It seriously, it was great. And so... There's not a lot of celebrities rushing to James Corden's defense here also. Like, there's no one being like... and Because Keith McNally is actually a pretty easy person to kind of, like, come back at. Like, first Mm -hmm. of all, he's an ardent defender of Woody Allen. Not even, like, necessarily because he's, like, 
such a fan of Woody Allen. I actually don't know, but like I think he thinks in principle there's like something to defend there. And he's and just brings it up randomly all, all the time. Yeah. No like one he's, asked. He's like a very outlandish person. And I think very frequently you can identify hypocrisy in that or like a lack of logic. But that's also like not happening. There's there's just conversation basically about James Corden. And so yeah. there's must have been other tales that Keith McNally was aware of. Also, I just want to note one of the reasons Keith McNally uses it in his Instagram the way that he does, I think, is because he had a stroke that impaired his speech. And so it's easier for him to type or to yes. communicate that way. And in the recent interviews that he's done about many things, but primarily about his Instagram presence, I believe they're done mostly over email for the same reason. Yeah. Great writer, effective. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's also like pretty bad timing for James Corden. His show is coming to an end. The Late Late Show, allegedly on his own accord. Now I'm just like, who knows? And what he's doing next, I just don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if this helps. I, I don't know if, the, you know, he can't maintain his sort of like happy-go-lucky song and dance man vibe. Where are you on carpool karaoke these days? You know, I've really tapped out of the James Corden universe, like in general. Okay. I I didn't watch the Lizzo one, which like I sort of feel bad about because I'd like Lizzo to get a lot of views. But like just in general, I've heard too many things now. Like even before this, I just like heard, I personally heard through very unreliable sources that like maybe James Corden isn't the best. Um, and like people didn't like him. And it sort of sou- it soured my opinion of him. And also there's just not a lot of like iteration happening. And so I think I got my fill of carpool karaoke is what I'm trying to say. Okay, I, that's valid. It just is a person who is a, a YouTube enthusiast <laughs> and a celebrity music trivia enthusiast. I just, <laughs> I wanted a temperature check. Now we got it. Oh, great stuff. I'll be continuing to watch this space. I'm also looking forward to other, like, just feuds over bad behavior. I just, I just absolutely love it. Once again, this is the kind of thing we relish because the stakes are low. The stakes are, can you eat a Balthazar? And by the way, right. most people can't because it's really hard to get a reservation. That's true. So James Gordon, you're just like us. Right. Also, don't be an asshole is the other lesson of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Should we stick on the topic of celebrity food news? Yes. Also, after we talked about Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis and the latest with them last week, the situation with their nanny. She is their, I was going to say like alleged nanny, but she was their nanny who gave like several probably one sit down broken up into several articles for the Daily Mail. Details continue to come out and many, many other stories have come along as well. And crucially, one was about how she left their home to bring Harry Styles salad with a special salad dressing, which I believe we discussed last week, very briefly. I don't think we actually talked about the special dressing because I did have several <laughs> friends reach out to me to be like, how could you not talk about the, sal- the special <laughs> dressing? And on the one hand, I get it. And we're going to talk about it now. On the other hand, this story continues to just absolutely bum me out. This is it. The nanny has given the Daily Mail a week's worth of content and they are being grotesquely Daily Mail about it. And it is just a bummer for everyone. That's what I have to say. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because it sort of brings us back to the salad dressing. One, Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis, despite their clearly acrimonious split, it's not a divorce, but separation from each other, uh, they weren't married, 
they released a joint statement refuting um, what the nanny said. They, they confirmed that she was their nanny by saying, right. but they didn't explicitly say, yes, she was our nanny, but they were like, I can't believe someone so close to us would, would do this, et cetera. And also said that they called the claim scurrilous. And then two, Olivia Wilde posted a page from Heartburn, Nora Ephron's novel, loosely based on her own divorce from Carl Bernstein, in which she, and she's a, like a food writer and TV person. Yes, a food personality. Where she shares a vinaigrette recipe Mm -hmm. in the book. And Olivia Wilde posted that photo or posted a photo of that page. So given what a bummer this whole thing is, how do you feel about Olivia Wilde engaging with it that way? That's like, as someone who takes pictures of pages of books and posts them without comment, I was just like, huh. I, I felt okay about it. I feel both... I feel empathy for both Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis in this. And I do also feel bad for the nanny because, number one, I did read the text messages, even though I think it's all a bummer. And those text messages are wild. It's a real, you know, invasion of privacy beyond even the invasions of privacies that we regularly cover on this podcast. And so I felt weird. I also imagine that the nanny felt pretty weird. And then... You know, I'm sure that she was paid. I I have no knowledge of this, but if I would assume or guess that there was some sort of financial exchange from the Daily Mail to her, because it's probably her employment situation does not seem super certain. And that's a real bummer. Like this is, you know, so she is like being taken advantage of as well. I, I don't love it. You know, I feel bad for everyone or some sort of empathy for everyone except for the Daily Mail. Yes. Even though I check their website every single day. So once again, I am a hypocrite. So in this one, I'm kind of like, Olivia Wilde can do whatever she wants. Obviously, I love heartburn. I, like, I think that that's a pretty good reference as far as these things go. I, she also attended a big event, I think, the night after these were published for, for Elle, I believe, because she was on the cover of Elle. And I, I think she has every right to just to do what she wants on this one. You know, I like I honest I do kind of think that. I you know, mm-hmm. and I thought it was it was fine. It was obviously very calculated, you know, if it takes sure. 18 hours to post that on Instagram, there's a lot of vetting. I'm not sure that that came from Olivia Wilde's personal uh, copy of Heartburn, you know? <laughs> but that's okay. It's fine. The whole thing bums me out. That's where I am. I just thought they should let the statement stand for itself. I thought that statement was actually very well crafted forceful yeah. and really meaningful that the two of them came together for that, that they're like, you know, that sort of like, they've identified the line, you know? Yeah. And I just find, like, I just find a lot of what Olivia Wilde has done publicly over the last few months really dissonant and sort of like confuses me about who she is. I, I don't really have like any conclusions, but I'm just sort of like, so she clearly really wants to like engage with everything that's said about right. her. which It's very calculated. And, yeah. And, and she's like picks the ways to do it. It just seemed like a sort of like a lack of restraint after a really well executed joint statement with someone she clearly is not getting along with. So I don't know. I just feel like there's a, a real back and forth with her. I will say I had an interesting conversation with some friends about the salad dressing and everything else. And they were asking me, so, you know, what do you think that this will just at- tarnish Olivia even more and have absolutely no effect on Jason Sudeikis' mm-hmm. career? And I thought that that was, like, a a solid point. And it is worth pointing out that she 
has not had an easy time in the press, including on this podcast in the past few weeks. And it's like, when you're on a movie press tour and you're saying things that literally don't make sense about your nonsense pop feminism movie, that's fair game. And this feels like a little less fair game. And it does seem like even our responses to it or the general media's responses to it, certainly the way the Daily Mail presented it, like, was a bit sexist. And so I'm kind of like, you can do whatever you want. It's not yeah. like, it didn't win me over. I wasn't like, ha ha, well played. Like, what a what a great, clever reference. But I didn't mind it. I, I Like, I kind of think on this one, you can do whatever you want. I think it just in terms of the difference between how they're treated, I think it doesn't help that people like genuinely love Ted Lasso yeah. and like think it's like such a great show. I personally do not. I think it like ran out of ideas two episodes into season two. I have absolutely no idea what season happened in season two or why they felt that that's what they needed to do. There's more coming, Amanda. Yeah, I think it's like a really hokey show. I'm not a fan. I loved the first season, though. I'm not above it. I liked it. I don't know. Like, I just, I'm not really a Jason Sudeikis fan. So I think I'm just like, okay, whatever. But Olivia Wilde, you know, she clearly also, not clearly, but I think she courts attention in a way that he actually doesn't. And that's also like part of what's happening here, too. counterpoint, Zach Barron, my husband, did interview Jason Sudeikis for the cover of GQ magazine. And no proper nouns were used, but Jason Sudeikis had a strategy in that piece in talking about this relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think, if you read that piece, you take away that Jason Sudeikis wants you to think of him as the wronged party. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I just think Um, that he courts less publicity overall. Yes and no, but that's also because he doesn't have to court publicity because he's at an awards show every six weeks being given an award for Ted Lasso. Like, still, somehow, there are still awards shows being like, this (laughs) is the best comedy of 2019. But it's, like, pretty frequent. And the way they give out TV awards... What are the award shows you're thinking of? I believe that he won a copious amount of Emmys not six weeks ago, Juliet. That's one award show. But that was, like, a lot of Emmys. And then before that, there were other Emmys, Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, People's Choice. That's I don't a, know. That's a lot. That's I four don't to know. five. That was, two, that was two Emmys, so that was a year apart. And that's sure. one Golden Globes. And the Golden Globes have since been canceled from television. So, no, they're coming back. Okay, but I, they were— I regret to inform you on a Tuesday But I'm just night. saying they were gone. I just don't think he's actually out there as much. I mean, also, like— I'm sure the pictures just don't sell as well because he's not dating someone as famous as Harry Styles. Right. That, I mean, that that's definitely true. You're correct. But I don't know. It just all kind of bums me out. That's where I am. Okay. I'm ready to move on from Olivia Wilde in general. Like, I just don't find this that interesting anymore. Yeah. I mean, like, the salad dressing thing was, like, obviously... Also, it's just funny that it's salad, which also has, like, a, you know, sexual connotation to me. Sure. So I think, yeah. I think that part of it's funny, too. Right. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. 
Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. I also just wanted to talk about, I saw Nancy Myers post picture of the AYR catalog mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. in the AYR catalog, she is wearing, there's a picture of a model wearing an outfit, wearing like a sweater and white wide leg jeans. And it says belongs in a Nancy Myers kitchen. Mm -hmm. And this bummed me out. I was just like, this has not been, there's no like specific reference. Like we all, we all get it. And it just sort of made me sad that like the coastal grandma wearing of white pants has become like a Nancy Myers kitchen thing. And I guess also because there's a turtleneck. And I was just like, I don't know. Makes me kind of sad. I'm going to go the other way on this. Okay. First of all, full disclosure, I'm wearing an AYR shirt right now. I recommend their button downs wholeheartedly. They took me through pregnancy and back. You know, they sure. are. I've just bought one and it was, it was flexible. I think that we could all use a little more. Well, first of all, we could all use a little more Nancy Myers aesthetic energy in our day-to-day -day life. I, I, like, But there's so much of it already. Like, that's like what Mark D. Sykes is. And Anthropology's put all that on sale because no one wants to buy it. I guess if your objection is to people like Anthropology or companies and fashion companies trying to make money off of it, mm -hmm. I get it. And I'm okay with it, even though it works on me. And frankly, I would rather someone use the name Nancy Myers or Nancy Myers, honestly, to get a check than the Coastal Grandma stuff, which was just using all the ideas that Nancy Myers and others worked hard for, but turning it into some weird TikTok stuff. That's that's <laughs> just me, okay? But I, when you wrote, like, the commodification of rom-coms... That's what I put in our rundown. Right, in our rundown. I thought that you were protesting of, like, the the reduction of these things that we love to this sort of, like, aesthetic commercial idea. Mm hmm And I just really feel that not just rom-coms, but, like, all movies need a little more focus on, like, aesthetics and this, like, the Nancy Myers zhuzh and the kitchen and the thing. And, like, Nancy Myers has talked about how she doesn't really like being known for just her kitchen islands because she thinks that it 
communicates, like a reduced understanding of the work that she's doing. Which is definitely fair. Which is definitely fair, but like, movies are not doing this work anymore. People don't understand how important that kitchen island is. And like, the, like she is an auteur. Like, the, the way that you create these worlds, there's a visual, physical element to all of it that is completely lost and everything looks like fucking garbage. And I went to see Ticket in Paradise and I had a nice time, but like, everything was animated. You know what I mean? Like, give me some real luxury. Pay attention to this stuff. It is actually part of the magic. Okay, I'm done. I just think that, like, you should be able to wear a turtleneck and wide mm-hmm. leg jeans, and it's not necessarily, like, a Nancy Myers character. Like, I don't know. Like, I also just think it's, like, unimaginative. You know what I mean? Because it just, like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I, it's just I bothered think so, me. so, but in some ways, it's more like it's a testament to how effective and successful Nancy Myers has been that she has really, that so many people associate a way of looking or dressing Sure. with her films. Like, that's a very specific film language and, like, wardrobe language. That's pretty cool. That's kind of... I credit her for that. Do I think that AYR probably owes her money? Like, yeah. yes. <laughs> but that's, like, that's okay. Like, if AYR would like to give some of the money that they took from me and give it to Nancy Myers, <laughs> I I think that would be great. On the other side, I think Nancy Myers, like, has plenty of money. So... I think I'm just sick of it. I think that's my thing. It's like, I'm just... Okay. I feel like anthropology has, like, knocked me over with all of this and also, mm-hmm. like... Reese Witherspoon design style is also very similar. It's again, it's all be, it's a lot because of Mark Sykes because a lot of them will yeah. work with him. And I actually think the more recent like styles is more Mark Sykes than it is Nancy Myers. And which is which is funny because like you know she actually has like a more varied interiors. It's one of the reasons why I love a holiday because of the English house in it. And right. and there's like there's just sort of like more to it, to your point, honestly. And like the, you know, the intern also like has such amazing style for Anne Hathaway that's like pretty varied. It's just she sort does of look like, great. Yeah. The, it's just sort of like something's gotta give has become like the de facto style that everyone thinks of. And I don't know. I, I well, there's some of it and it's complicated. Sure. I, I mean the the neutral beiges in like upmarket materials and, and the turtleneck specifically. And a relaxed but still thoughtful cut. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. People aren't wrong. And I don't mind evoking, you know, it's also, it's also communicating a whole thing about age, right? Sure. Because Nancy Myers movies are traditionally about women at least over older. the age of 30. And then yeah. in the case of something something's got to give and it's complicated 50s or above. So, you know, I like the idea of putting some respect on that style yeah, and, and that age group, which is not a group of women who traditionally are treated with respect in, in any way in the pop cultural or fashion sphere. So that's one of the reasons why I like Bad Sisters so much is it had like so many variations on yeah. what that could look like. And also it was like so beautifully made and like the aesthetic yes. was also so specific, but each of the five sisters had their own style. But and it was like, I do feel like Sharon Horgan is the sort of the heir to all of this and like has evolved it in such like an exciting way. And to your point, also has stories about older women and whatnot. So right. Very well said. Here's my complaint about the whole, like, Nancy Myers, coastal grandma, you know, commodification, whatever. It's like, stop biting my style, you know? <laughs> we, like, we did this already. It's like, I have been doing this work for many years, and you guys saw a TikTok 
And now it looks like I am following the trends of all these 12-year-olds, and I'm just not, you know? Like, grow up and earn it. That's what I have to say. Style's so hard. Everything's been so flattened. And I think that, like, Mm -hmm. everyone's just starting over with their wardrobes. By everyone, I mean me. So I I mean, I certainly am. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Should we touch on the Matthew Perry stuff? I mean, he's just doing a real full-court press for his his rom-com, the opposite of his rom-com, his memoir, Largely about his addiction over the over the last like thirty years, because as I, we learned from, I haven't read his memoir, but from the press about it, it started when he was like fifteen, a, t- a teenager. Yeah, so it's really like forty years, I guess, and it's very grim. I give him credit for being so upfront about it. There are some really gnarly details of his drug use, including taking fifty five tablets of Vicodin a day. At, at the height of his addiction and having to use a colostomy bag in 2018 after he had a perforated colon, being in a, a coma for two weeks after an overdose, just like really, really quite gnarly. Hard to read these stories. Yes. And the, I would say that the media coverage has not been like delicate with the pull quotes, if no. you will. You know, you just, the, the Vicodin headline has been everywhere. There was another headline that's a real quote that he gave about how he estimates he spent $9 million on rehab. He is being very direct about his experience and it's good writing to use details, you know, and to grab people's attention, but he's definitely doing doing that. The piece in the New York Times with Elizabeth Egan, who is a former colleague of mine at Glamour and I'm a big oh, cool. fan of hers. And it mentions that he actually wrote this whole memoir himself, that he didn't use a ghostwriter, which is pretty rare. So that in, was a really cool tidbit. I was glad you yeah, that. Yeah, pretty rare. And, you know, no shots to ghostwriters. Like, people have different abilities. But it is very much his decision to be really specific about and granular about all of this experience. And again, I'm like you. I have not read the book. I've just read the very detailed excerpts and headlines. But he says that he's doing it in the hopes that other people benefit from his experience and don't have as hard a time as he did, which, you know, I do. I really admire. It's not easy to do. It also, in the Times, says that he sponsors three people who are also in AA, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. He's been sober for 18 months now. And Lisa Kodrow wrote the prologue to his book. Right. He also talks about how Jennifer Aniston confronted him while they were making friends and how there was an intervention with the other five. I think, like, this is totally aside from Matthew Perry's personal story, but one thing that, like, really astonishes me is, like, how much that group of six actors really was, like, a friend group. Not that they were only friends with each other and, like, did everything together, but, like, the sort of, the camaraderie and the collegiality that they emit seems to be real. And it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's like so rare. So it's just so interesting to me. That does seem like a lot of the success of the show, right? Yeah. You know, it was well-written, if problematic in varying ways. The older we get and the further we get from it, but... Less realistic. Yeah, and, and certainly, I mean, it was never realistic, but that they all had it. You were tuning in for the vibe, right? That's that's like why we used to watch TV and sitcoms was to like hang out with our friends. And now so, you listen to podcasts for that? Exa- I mean, I do. I listen to food <laughs> news. I appreciate it. Yeah, I just think it's really interesting. And then, you know, he he basically, he just talks about how, you know, the five of them would like come to him. And Jennifer Aniston says to him at one point, like, we can tell you're drinking again. The we really hurt him. I just think that's rare. I can't think of another like crew like that full cast. 
it's nice. Yeah. Um, I love friendship. It's beautiful. It's it's a really great thing. <laughs> Just a gut check. How are you feeling about Taylor Swift and her new album? I've listened to it once. It's I think I boring. listened all the way through. It's definitely yeah. not for you. It's very, very Jack Antonoff. I like, I've softened on Antonoff. And I like songs when they're good. And this is sort of, this is all filler. I Like, respectfully, this is all the back half of good older Taylor Swift albums. I and think it's like 1989 Rejects. It's like what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I'm sympathetic because you can't, live your whole life like you're 19. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but I think it leads to a very unfulfilling, unhappy life. But she's sort of doing short stories now instead of memoir or or diary. <laughs> and I've never been a short Ramana story Clef. person. <sighs> yeah. You can feel the distance. You know, it's all a little bit, it's not from the gut in the same way. And I think that is probably really happy for Taylor Swift personally. And less less compelling to me. And I'm sort of sick of the narratives that she is telling. It feels like a lot of... I think she's, like, released too much music over the last few years, and so it's, like, it hasn't been, like, refined enough, honestly. Mm-hmm. Which maybe... I don't know. Could speak to a lot of things, but... I don't know. I caught up on Tell Me Lies over the weekend. Have you watched that? No. Have you heard about it? No. It's, like, a teen show starring... Jackson White, who is the son of Jack White of the White Stripes and Katie Seagal of Married with Children and many other things. And Grace Van Patten, who also has famous parents and uncles, but I don't know who they are. Famous to some. And there's a character in the show who has bangs. And the bangs are so horrible. And I, <laughs> I'm just like sick of looking at, at bangs. And I feel that way about Taylor Swift's bangs too. Okay. <laughs> Um, Tell Me Lies is, like, is good. It's on Hulu. There's one episode left. I just caught up. I think it's, like, a bit of a sensation, and there is, like, so much sex in it for, like, ostensibly a teen show about a group of college freshmen, like, three freshman women and, like, their three junior boyfriends or whatever. And I'm just, like, I think there's, like, very few college freshmen who have this hot of a sex life. But if there are, I wish them the best. <laughs> related to college sex, uh, sex lives of college girls is coming back soon and I'm really excited. Me too. I can't wait. I think it's like November 9th or like something around there or something like that. Yeah. I can't wait. Great show. Much more realistic than Tommy Lies, which is very entertaining though. Okay. I watched it all in over a three-day period. So that's where I'm at. Also this past weekend was the U.S. Grand Prix, which was Formula One's United States race. There will be three next year. There's two this year. There was one in Miami in May. Here we are five months later. There was one in Austin. Brad Pitt went. Brad Pitt is making a movie about F1. So he was there, I believe, with Jerry Bruckheimer. And I believe also Apple's Tim Cook because it's an Apple movie. Yes, and Eddie Q. They were there Mm -hmm. together, Tim Cook and Eddie Q. Also there, Ed Sheeran, as we noted, always available. (laughs) Evie Hewson from Bad Sisters was there, I believe, with her brother. Wow. I'm just a big fan of hers, as are many of our male colleagues. I also am a big fan of hers. I think I've seen basically, like, everything she's done, not even, like, intentionally. It just sort of happened. But, but yeah, it was, like, a big star-studded thing. I mean, also, some of the pictures of Ed Sheeran, he's talking to Jerry Halliwell, a.k.a. Ginger Spice, and her mm-hmm. husband is, like, his team won the, the one of the championships this past weekend. So, you know, it's all... Who's her husband? Christian Horner. He's the principal of Red Bull. 
Okay. I haven't heard about him. I'm to the point at F1 where I have some name recognition, but mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you beyond that. I mean, obviously, I know who Lewis Hamilton is. Max Verstappen is a name that's said a lot yeah. around the house. He sucks, yeah. I yeah. He, he won this year. Pharrell was also there. Okay. And Will Arnett. Will Arnett is like a noted convert because of Drive to Survive. So he's like really committed to it, which I am as well. And Amanda, mm-hmm. I'm going to the Mexico City Grand Prix next weekend. So wish me luck. Oh, you are? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. I knew that was TBD. Oh my God, Juliet. I'm I don't care about F1 at all still because I've never watched Drive to Survive, but I love, I'm really excited that you're doing that. What Thank else you will you do? So much. Well, thanks for asking. Jesse Ware was just in Mexico. I saw. And I looked at the restaurants she went to and I made some reservations. Fantastic. So. <laughs> yeah, there was one that like seems really exclusive, can't get into, but another that does not seem exclusive and I'm excited about. And I was like, that's really nice that she tagged these restaurants because of people like me who are obsessed with her and now will be going to, to them. She went to Contramar, right? Yes, she did. I've been there. Okay. Well, yeah, will you be going? In, in my research for next weekend, I learned that Contramar has a sister restaurant called Entremar with the oh. same menu wow. that people don't seem to know about. So I made a back reservation in Entremar. So we'll okay. see. And can I also just share one other personal anecdote? I would love it. Just on the topic of like, Things that were cool a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I went to Nobu for dinner a few nights ago. It was like a, a a work-related event. And I was just like, first of all, Nobu is no longer in Tribeca. And like, it's very funny for me to think about how it started out as like a Robert De Niro place in Tribeca. And yeah. now is like all over the place. There's a Nobu hotel in Las Vegas. And it was like so packed on a Thursday night. But I just got to say, the food at Nobu, so good. However... I was just like thinking about like how that was the pandemic hotspot in Malibu mm-hmm. for a while. And my experience was more like going to like Planet Hollywood than to like a really like chic restaurant. But again, I must express the food was fucking delicious. It's really good there. Just want to say if you have any more work related events that require your work colleague Amanda to go to Nobu with you, <laughs> I'm really available. <laughs> I'd love to go to Nobu. I didn't go to Nobu in the, in the recent. In, like, I've never been to Nobu here. I haven't been, like, in a really long time. Like, maybe, like, 20 years. I don't know. And it was just fun to think about how it's evolved. And, you know, I just think of it as, like, the de facto celebrity hangout in Malibu. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not that in New York anymore. But I had a great time because the food's so delicious. Did you see any celebrities? No, of course not. Do you think you're going to see any celebrities in Mexico City next weekend? I think I need to study up on the Mexican celebrity scene. Okay. One really wonderful racer is named Checo, and he is Mexican, and so it's like his home race, and so I I hope he wins. He's like a really lovely, he seems like a really lovely guy. So I don't know who else from his world will be there, or like his family or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited. I'm excited for you. Thank you so much. Can't wait. I'll report back, obviously. I really can't wait. (laughs) Until then, thanks to Jade Whaley for recording this episode, and we'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. 
Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes, Enter the Kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.